Do not adjust your settings. Take your hands off the keys. Your search is over. These are the geeks you're looking for. You found Geek Watch One with Kylan and Ken. This is going to be quite a ride. That's a bad outfit. I love you. Me too, man. Hit me, hit me, my turn. Am I the meanest? Am I the prettiest? Show Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Show Well, who am I? Show The Shogun of Harlem. For what lies ahead, ready are you? We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. Hey Geeksters, I'm Kyle. And I'm Ken. And you found Geek Watch One. Welcome back, Geeksters, to Geek Watch One, and it is time for our February Meeplecast. Already? <laughs> yeah. I know. Month is over. <laughs> yeah. This is supposed to be another week before we get to this yeah. one. So, um, but welcome back to the Malted Meeple. Um, do, do we have an announcement today, or are we want to wait? We should wait. Okay. Yeah. We have a big announcement coming, guys. We're going to wait at least till next week till we get everything locked in and stuff. I wasn't sure. I should have asked before we started. <laughs> that's your teaser for next week. You're going to, hopefully by next week, we'll have it all locked in and we'll have a big announcement for you. See, we can do cliffhangers, too. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Umbrella Academy's not the only one that can leave off on a cliffhanger. Oh, my God. The look on Kylan's face at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What? what? That's, the, that's the end, end of every episode. <laughs> every one of the episodes. <laughs> Yeah, but that last one. Last one. Okay, we're yeah. going somewhere. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> I was really expecting like ten more minutes. Yeah, it, it, it was almost as bad as the snap. Almost. That's right. Bad. That's right. Not as well. As you can hear, geeksters, today we will be talking all things Umbrella Academy. Yes. It's going to be a little bit, so don't worry about it. We're not going to spoil everything right away. But yeah, you gotta go now's your time to go. Hit Netflix for about 10 hours, watch it, and then come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should have been already. Come on, it came out. Yeah. We can have a go already. Right. Yeah, so. And we told you guys last week we were going to talk it, so we will be talking that later than in the show. But for now, what's going on, guys? What did you guys do this week? Anything that you watch? Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched it the second time, kind of watched it the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, aside from that, no, just stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we had an interesting we had a Gerard Way evening just about last night because we finished up Umbrella Academy and then watched episode 2 of Doom Patrol nice. and Doom Patrol is getting even crazier the more we go into this which is crazy in the best way possible I mean some shows are just nuts because they're just nuts right. this one actually is nuts but it kind of where it makes sense for where they're at they're not they're not the most quote unquote normal team anyway I mean even in the comics they've never been no. your typical superhero team I yeah. mean there is there's a reason Mr. Nobody calls them, you know, super zeros. <laughs> so, but Cyborg shows up in the second episode. I know that. Mm-hmm. Well, watched it, it yet, but in the second episode, they did talk about, um, or Mr. someone described Mr. Nobody as a Rubik's Cube looking dude. That makes sense. He's yeah. like a living Rubik's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> and but, you, can't, um, you can't, you have you have to at least look up images of him. I know not everyone's going to have the streaming service to watch this, but look up the images because Alan Tudyk, First of all, he does do a great job mm-hmm. as, as Mr. No. I mean, he's great in any character he does. 
But what they did with the effects to make him look the way he looks is crazy. Yeah. Like, there's missing pieces, but as he moves, it's like the pieces are there, and then they're gone, and then... <laughs> well, the interesting thing is that I noticed, and I think someone told us this somewhere, was, um, I don't know if it was in a uh, special feature or bonus or something, that it's weird, because Mr. Nobody in this so far seems like... Because he's the narrator of the show also. Yeah. But as the narrator, he's omniscient. Mm-hmm. He knows everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the character on screen knows everything. Here's the question, though. You know that Mr. Nobody is the narrator and seems to know everything, but how much can you trust him? Yeah. <laughs> Although, <laughs> you will have you will have to see. The, Kyler may have to watch this because um, Curtis Armstrong's in the second episode. You have to find him. He <laughs> kept saying, I know that's not a draw for me. <laughs> but you gotta find him. He plays an awesome character. Uh-huh. You gotta find him in the okay. show. I'm a busy man. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, we have to watch it on our laptops because even though we have internet via the TV, for some reason, yeah, so. playing things on DC Universe doesn't want to work. Okay, what, and, what, and there's what no, do you have? Well, there's no actual app for DC Universe yet. Right. Um, what? Oh, do you just do your TV? We, or? we do it through, well, we do things through the TV and we do things through PlayStation. And ah, by okay. the way, there's PlayStation no app. doesn't have it yet. No. Right. It's only so, on, um, it's on, right now it's on Android. Uh, the Fire Team, all the Fire devices, and um, iTunes, and uh, Roku. Yeah. So, so the streaming devices have it. The thing is, it doesn't really make sense, though. Like, we can watch YouTube stuff. Yeah. But for yeah. some reason, it won't play the videos off of DC Universe, even right. though we can get to the page. Like, mm. it just... Yeah. So we watch it on the laptop. I watch it on the laptop, and Kevin yeah. hasn't gone around to it yet. <laughs> well, they should... It took them about three months or four months to get to the Fire devices from yeah. launch. So they... You, they, and they have already said they're working on Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. I know, so sometime I know in the next couple that. months you're going to get. So I know that um, though the DC Universe, you see that they're announced there's like, they were adding like 20,000 comic books by the end of March mm-hmm. or something. Or adding 20,000 more comics. Well, I mean, that's, that is the one thing. If if you, you watch the show and you've never been into certain comics, they recommend comics to read related to it. Like, yeah. they, they don't have, it's not like Marvel Unlimited where you have almost everything. Um, They're getting there. DC Universe, essentially, as they've started, uh, added comics related specifically to the shows they have on, as well as other characters and, you know, popular stuff. But, you know, like, if you if you watch Titans, you could get the relevant comics to go with that to learn more about the characters. And they're doing the same with Doom Patrol. Um, and they've also got, you know, certain uh, arcs of, of comics that are really well known on there. So it's a, it's a good way for people who haven't been into the comics, specifically not knowing the characters, to kind yeah. of get more background on yeah, it's, and it, it is kind of unique that the comics and the videos and everything else all in one place. Yeah. So, yeah. that's actually a good sign. Um, because like there's, like, there's actually part of the menu that says, like, what to read or something like that, yeah. that it, it directs you right from the mm-hmm. page of the show to the comics. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm, I, it's going to be interesting to see when you do get a chance to watch this, what you think of it. Because it, it was... It's totally crazy, which was awesome because, like I was saying, the nice thing is, um, if anybody didn't know, the newest version See, of the donkey's fart does spell oh, it does spell stuff out. out. Okay, it does. They did the at the end of the first. Okay, episode. I didn't yeah. remember that part. He, did, he said no. The flatulent donkey. Yeah, he, did, he said no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, still not a draw. So, <laughs> what is it? The mind is the. Come on, the flatulent donkey's not getting here. Is it going to have a heart attack? You're not a. <laughs> We watched Umbrella Academy last night, then Doom Troll. So we had a strange and unusual Gerard Way evening. Mm-hmm. Because anyone yes. doesn't, who doesn't know, Gerard Way actually wrote That's the newest version of Doom Patrol that DC ran. 
I think he likes those characters in general. If you've looked yeah. at any of the stuff he's ever worked on, you know, outside of his My Chemical Romance band stuff, um, anything he's written, it's all that type of character. It's yeah. all it's always the outcasts. That's what that sort of like, that's, that's what he does I mean, that's what I mean. That's what My Chemical Romance music was about. Yeah. So it's always the outcast yeah. stuff. So it's not surprising. Cool. So. Um, and everyone loves Klaus, that's all I can say. Yes, we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. But what happened to Geek News this week? There was a bit of stuff. Um, first of all, update on a story we had a couple weeks ago of, uh, involving Mr. Alfonso Ribeiro and his quest to sue certain video game designers about the Carlton, not giving him credit for it in their games. The U.S. Copyright Office said, uh-uh, I can't copyright Carlton Dance. And basically... Um, <laughs> This news was not the news that was broadcast. It actually was revealed as part of um, Take-Two Interactive's motion to dismiss his lawsuit. It was mentioned that the U.S. Copyright Office denied the copyright on the dance. Basically, you can copyright dance to the extent of choreography. If you have an entire piece, much like a musical piece, an entire piece that you can plot out all the steps, etc., you, you can copyright choreographed dance. However, they said the Carlton basically represented a simplified dance routine that was basically just a couple of moves. So because it was not entire choreography, it yeah. couldn't be copyrighted. So there you go. If you're doing the Carlton, you're not really dancing. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what we have to get out of this. Um, now the thing is, the, the hearing on the motion to dismiss is scheduled for mid-March, so we won't actually know if his lawsuits can go through yet. Uh, but he's it's it's up against Take Two as well as Epic because of Fortnite, which is also being sued by several rappers because of dances they've used without attribution. So if you know if you want to get in trouble, don't dance like no one's watching because someone is. <laughs> Just uh, we also found out the movie Bumblebee, which was actually a really good Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. Has wait, wait, wait. Dawn just said it was a really good Transformers movie. I did. She because I hated the other ones. Because mostly Michael Bay. The other ones don't exist no longer. <laughs> the other ones don't longer exist. Yes, and this is the whole point. The other ones no longer exist because they confirmed that Bumblebee is rebooting Transformers movies. Good. When it first came out, um, no one would say that it was a reboot or continuation and it wasn't really clarified. Well, at the New York Toy Fair this past week... Uh, Hasbro officially declared the film a new storytelling universe. That's how they put it. Um, So now you can kind of figure out where things might go forward. You never know. They might consider doing movies on specific characters. Jazz. Yeah, you might get a jazz movie. Kyla wants a jazz movie. I want a jazz movie. We'll we'll start a petition. Uh, (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Didn't he die again at the beginning of Bumblebee? No. In the middle of that battle. Well, yeah, but it doesn't have to be sequential. Jazz died? I think in that battle, didn't he? Almost everyone did. It was the it was, it was, it was like watching the, It was like watching the original Transformers movie where everybody yeah. dies in like the first fifteen minutes, like so and introduce all the new characters. Yeah, I'm soft. yeah no, they they might do uh, an Optimus Prime movie. Right. More about him. And then I think Prime looks like Prime. Well at yes. the end we saw how many come down too, we don't know. Exactly. A right. lot of them are arriving at the end. But if you want to clarify whether he was killed or not, uh, Bumblebee has its digital release March 19th and hits <laughs> DVD April 2nd. Right. So that, that's kind of why they announced Hasbro was announcing yeah. the toy fair as well, because that's coming soon. 
Um, and in unfortunate news that we all saw coming, it was confirmed that Punisher and Jessica Jones have been canceled. Yeah. Off of Netflix. Which is interesting, before Jessica Jones even premieres. Yes. Yeah, we do have that final season of Jessica Jones still coming. They have not announced the date. It's likely to be June or July, based on when they usually released these Marvel shows. <laughs> I read somewhere that they, they, they said a summer release is what they said. Yeah, so, so really it would be June through beginning mm-hmm. of September. Yeah, so. Um, so that wouldn't be surprising. And interestingly, the Marvel head of TV, Jeff Loeb, uh, Released a statement saying, you know, he was he was happy with the the partnership, and it just they just felt it was time to split, which is kind of obvious given the streaming service is coming. Um, well, basically, and, the way he worded it, he he threw Netflix under the bus. But Netflix responded nicely. Yeah. They actually replied, and they were just like, "Yeah, we're happy we had a partnership. Bye bye." Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were nice about it. But um, he actually he actually said, as Matt Murdock's dad once said, "The measure of a man is not how he gets knocked to the mat." It's how he gets back up. And then he said, yeah. continue. Well, it wasn't this week or last week that the president of Hulu was talking about he has he looks forward to seeing uh, yeah. what Marvel content is coming to the scene. Exactly. Without right. that, but that's all he said was that Marvel content. <laughs> Which everybody reading between the outlines sees that as soon as the contracts are um, dry and any waiting periods are up, all these shows are coming to Marvel. I mean, you've got the animated series hitting there already yeah. for mm-hmm. the five of them. Who's going to um, get the Netflix so, shows? Yeah, I mean, because the, the Disney streaming, they want to make sure they separate the mature content so kids don't accidentally come across it, and Disney did not want that on the streaming service. But Disney, once the ink is dry on the Fox deal, will own the majority of Hulu. Yeah. It's all going there. And, they, and they've even said that um, they're not, they are planning that Marvel will be making more R-rated films like Deadpool. Yeah. So it, it, so we know that's going to Hulu because Hulu has mature content already. Yeah, I was right. gonna say if they actually <laughs> continue with like Just Jones and all them, do you think they'll keep the same actors or they just like restart? Um, Knowing Disney and Marvel, they'll keep the same actors. Yeah, yeah. they'll just continue I mean, it. They're, they're, they've already announced they're doing things like a Loki TV show, mm-hmm. um, and Tom Hiddleston's in it. Yeah, I mean, they're doing Vision and Scarlet Witch, and the stars are in it, so they're not gonna. They're not going as long as they're available, yeah. you know, and willing to do it. And yeah, I think they like the characters well enough that they're going to, the actors are going to come back. Well, it's them. happened plenty of times in TV where a show will change networks and actually keep the same cast, yeah. the same show, just a different network. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman did that. Um, she went from one network network to the next on the second season. Well, I mean, you have Supergirl, but, uh, Supergirl, you have Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, yeah. And I think this may be the first time and though, and we've had some that have gone from network TV to streaming. Mm-hmm. I think uh, which one is it? Netflix just picked up one. Lucifer. That's so, but I think this may be the first time we've actually, if they go to Hulu, these shows, it'd be the first time that we had to go from one streaming service to another. True. That's true. But it's more of a, you know, property ownership, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. Well, I know for, for Marvel, uh, the whole, the, the, the one theme about the MCU is it's all connected. So it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's the reason why we got Sam Jackson on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so and Coulson's been in the movies and on TV, and, and, and the, same Sif, vo- the same voice doing it animated too. Clark Gregg does the animated version, and Lake yeah. Sif was on it. Mm-hmm. So, so the thing is, if if they, I believe that these characters are no, if you portray this character here, that's going to be who you yeah. are. There's only one case where it didn't happen. That was Alfred Woodard uh, because she uh, was in was it Civil War. Mm-hmm. She played a character in Civil War, but it was completely unrelated. And she didn't she shift to Suicide Squad? Uh, no, she, she was in um, uh, Luke Cage. Oh, that's right. And she's a different character. That's yeah, right. so 
She was uh, Mariah and Luke Cage. Right. But two different characters. But it was only so, a bit part when she was in the movie. Right. So. She could have had a twin sister. Yeah. <laughs> no, she wasn't around long anyway. So. And, and in very weird news, the banana splits are coming back. But they're, yeah. coming, they're coming back as a horror movie.
So, you know, you have time to read it. It's really short, okay? Go read it. Because uh, <laughs> this premieres in 2020, so you have time. Uh, but much like the Shirley Jackson novel, it's likely they'll go way off base and give us something completely different because Haunting of Hill House really wasn't all that related to the, mo the, the novel, okay? Uh, but it was fantastic. We all know how awesome the show was, so Haunting of Bly Manor will be great. So it's bas they're basically calling it the Haunting Anthology Series so that every season, if it stays popular, you're going to get the haunting of someplace new. Hopefully this summer, when the, most of the shows let off, we can actually sit down and watch that eventually. That it's, I'll, I'm going to rewatch it because it's fantastic. But the other thing is, they're they, they haven't released anything about the basic story or cast or anything like that, but they are talking about bringing back some of the cast from Hill House to play different characters in this one, much like American Horror Story does. Right. Yeah. Using the same people all the time. So which I think would be cool. Like I have yeah. no problem with it. They're different mm -hmm. characters. So so yeah, that was confirmed. That was Though I can't if that one actress I just I can't see her as anything but the broken neck lady now. So <laughs> That's right. That's not a spoiler really it has from the beginning. <laughs> she pops up everywhere. Uh, and in, in news that Kylan loves um, the International Spy Museum is moving to its new location shortly. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about this place before because a couple years ago when Kyle and I did our epic geek road trip, the one place we went to in D.C. when we were there for the day was the Spy Museum because that was Kylan's goal. Right. <laughs> God, that place is and, and quite honestly, it, I, I enjoyed it. It had... Um, one of the big things they had at the time actually was a Bond exhibit. So you got all sorts of James Bond cars... You got costumes, you got the weapons. Uh, you can defuse a bomb, which yeah, they did you got, once. They have interactive stuff you can do. Yeah. And um, yeah, defusing a bomb was yeah, one thing. The, one, the bomb that was like the magnetic one that would have for Yeah, you had to keep it from touching the sides. Yeah, <laughs> I think it made yeah. it from Tomorrow Never Dies, maybe. And so, like, I just watched all these people, and then I, I got lucky and did it once. <laughs> I, just, I was like, hey, okay, I'm done. So it was, it, it's really cool, and that, um, you know, they have ongoing change in exhibits. So their new location, they're kind of relaunching the whole museum, and they've moved to a permanent home in southwest D.C. at a place called L'Enfant Plaza, which is located between the National Mall and the Wharf. So it's really centralized. And it's a gorgeous building. Go go to the um, International Spy Museum website to look at it. It's mm -hmm. this huge glass building. It, it, it looks With really cool. With a big old countdown. Like this countdown yeah, clock. Yeah, they've got a countdown clock as to when it opens. <laughs> I feel um, like I should be trying to cut a block But they've got 140,000 square feet now, and that's more than double the floor space of their existing location. Nice. You're killing um, me. <laughs> it includes new resources for educational programming, a lecture hall and theater, and multifunction event space. It will have completely reimagined state-of-the-art exhibits, providing behind-the-scenes look at how uh, intelligence has changed the world and can continues to affect our lives. Um, a few of the highlights of the new museum, a groundbreaking exhibit uncovering the vital work of intelligence analysts that transports visitors to the Situation Room during the capture of Bin Laden. Yes! <laughs> that would get excited. <laughs> Um, an interactive exploration of red teaming, which is the process by which new analysts come in to poke holes in theories and challenge conclusions and ensure the highest confidence in actionable data. An immersive exhibition called Berlin, City of Spies, exploring communist Berlin, including a Stasi office with all original artifacts, Ooh, wow. a border checkpoint, and original segments of the Berlin Wall. I get to cross the border? <laughs> Yes, you're. Oh my god! You might get stopped if you don't have your papers. I don't know. And you know what? Actually, 
time. True, that's true. You remember. Okay. They're, they're, as soon as you walk into the museum, you get uh, an identity, and you have to remember details about your identity. And as you're walking through the museum, you can actually answer questions about your identity. And then by the very end, you kind of get quizzed on some stuff, and you either get away or you get caught. Like, it's just kind of like knowing whether you can remember everything that's going on as you're looking at all this historical it, stuff. It, Don, Don got away scot-free. Yeah. I Actually, I got tripped up on a couple things, but... They just uh, uh, attested to me being a little nervous. I made it through. But yeah, but Don was the one that made it. Yeah, so. Just sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. There, there's also kind of uh, like modern exhibits where they're exploring um, the challenges facing uh, intelligence agencies in a democracy, as well as uh, ultra-secret operations influencing international events. Um, RFID, radio frequency identification technology, and um, an installation involving uh, cyber experts exploring future threats of, to security of nations. So is Jack Ryan. It's, it's a, <laughs> seriously, it's a really good museum. Okay. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I love, uh, some people like when they think about spies, people know they love the agents, but I love that they do such a phenomenal job of showing how important the analysts are. And like their, their board so. of directors and everything is all former spies and intelligence agents from around the globe. Like, there are, there are Russians. Just like, like in, my, in my head, like, no, during, like, during the meetings, so like, you remember that time back in 87 when I, I, I almost shot you, but you sneezed? <laughs> what was the name of the restaurant? Well, interestingly, interestingly, though, there is a movie they played, which they'll probably continue, um, that was basically a movie made up of uh, snippets of interviews of former intelligence agents and some of the reality of their missions. Like, they mm -hmm. talked about um, some of the missions they went on and how, you know, some of them were, like, at any second they thought they were going to be shot and they got away with yeah. it. Well, this is, a, it's fascinating to watch. A lot yeah. of it's been declassified. Yeah, point. exactly. Yeah. And so if, if you're into this kind of thing, even if you're not hugely into spy stuff and espionage, like, I'm not anywhere near as into it as Kylan. <laughs> but like, few people are. But... It's really good. Like yeah. it is just fascinating. What's cool thing is the way you guys described it was because uh, most people. It seems like some people may not realize that uh, actual real intelligence work mm -hmm. is kind of on the boring side. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's boring. It's a lot of crunching numbers, looking at what's There's going on. There's a lot on. of paperwork. <laughs> it's not James Bond. It's not no. uh, Mission Impossible. No. But, but it sounds like they actually make it interesting. But the other thing is though. You take the flip side of that, a lot of the James Bond gadgets really do exist. Yeah. yeah there, yeah. Were, there was an umbrella gun. There was a yes. shoe gun. There was, the, the, um, oh, yeah, the umbrella guns guns. had been used. That I guess, and they were able to put it back together. So it was like a single shot. Mm -hmm. And so, and it was, and it was wooden, yeah. of all things. Yeah, so... Uh, and they had, they had a, big, um, a big emblem. Was it Russian children had presented it to one of the presidents back in the 50s or something? Mm -hmm. And it was this massive emblem, um, a, a decorative emblem to hang on the wall. It was only like five, ten years later, they discovered it was bugged. Like, yeah. they didn't even look at the time. Yes. Because all these school children presented it as a gift. They hung it on the wall. I, 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 I got respect. I mean, that's just, I mean, like, spy, spy, spy is really just... Dirty tricks, you yeah, know, and yeah. you know, and it's I. It was one of those things. Like I, the thing was like when I was like, like in fourth grade, I probably told this story before. I read, I, I bought a book from Scholastic uh, called "Is James Bond Dead?" And I thought, oh, cool, James Bond story. 
stories. And I read it, it was all like real stuff, and that just kind of changed for me. Like, it kind of ruined James Bond a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I could watch those, not like the action stuff, but I. Now you're just like, all oh, that never happened. Yeah. But then I, like, <laughs> I started getting into like all the really the serious, the real things that were going on, and I really started getting into World War II stuff. Because it was a lot more exciting than this. Oh my god! Because you know, by the time you get to World War II, you've got a lot more technology coming up, mm-hmm. and and just the beginnings of technology that the public didn't get for another ten or twenty yeah. years. Yeah. Well, some <laughs> some of the um, the, the Nazi spy assassination stuff mm-hmm. was insane. If I remember, they had a gun that um, was like a twenty-two. Had the barrel was just long to fit outside of your um, fist. CIA. And I think the Nazis had one too, though. But it was like a grip. It was like mm-hmm. a set of brass knuckles, but it was actually a yeah. twenty-two. Yeah. So you punch someone in the ribs and you just shot. You shot. Yeah. And you never hear anything because it's muffled by the body. Uh, that, that would have been OSS. Chances are that came well, out of Canada. They had a lipstick gun too mm-hmm. they, for female spies. They, they just look like lipstick. Yeah, people didn't realize that Canada had a big hand in a lot of this dirty trick well, stuff. Well, because a on. lot of the a lot of the British um, agents would actually trade in Canada. They they'd send them over so they were out of the country. Mm-hmm. There's also a whole, whole lot more space going on in Canada. <laughs> True, there's a lot of nothing in Canada. There's, a, there's actually a place called Camp X, which is um, just east of Toronto, and they're called Pickering. And they actually still have part of it preserved mm-hmm. that you can visit, and that's where a lot of them actually train. Yeah, like they, 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 they was right on the lake, so agents yeah. weren't repelling. Uh, they actually would send uh, agents into town, like at the bars and stuff, to teach them how to practice their spycraft on civilians. Yeah, think and, about that. You find out like years later, you're like, wait, I went to the bar all the time. What? <laughs> and then eventually, I, I guess, thought he was flirting with me. What? <laughs> Started to escalate. They moved operations from Canada to our OSS operations from Canada over to uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. After that, yeah, but, yeah, but the, the that, some of the stuff is still there. Yeah, and that type of stuff, the training in plain sight, actually happens to this day because we actually know know someone that um, has trained or he was uh, special forces for years, and then went into training with special forces and CIA. Those people, and um, one of the things was they, they he told us the story. Of um, getting dropped, I think it was in Switzerland. Nothing in the pockets, period, and they have to get out. Mm-hmm. And so they went into town. He had a background in doing um, his background and other things he's done outside of this. Actually, went in. He went and um, he was able to talk himself in, talk their way in to where they got free, like three or four nights hotel room, food the whole time, and everybody put him up for all this. And then they were able to leave, no problem, right. because of just knowing how to bluff them mm-hmm. and, do, and get, use just enough reality. They, but this is stuff that they are actually trained on. How well, to I mean, because if, if you can't get away with it in a real world setting, like there's there's no point. Exactly. You have to. They're the dropped in a random town with zero identification, zero cash, mm-hmm. and got to make your way back out. <laughs> you'd be you'd be surprised at what you can get away with with a smile and. The- <laughs> yeah, Kyle went down. <laughs> Not that he's a spy, but yeah, he gets away with a lot. Right, well, you know, actually, we we had a friend who was twenty. Was New Year's Eve? No, no, it was uh, St. Patty's Day. She's 20 years old, and we were yeah, just getting to the bar. And, and we, like, <laughs> I got her in a bar, like the, the security guard, like she, she, she had, and I, oh yeah, and I was like, did you just kind of look away? And Nate's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And like, and she said, how'd you do that? Yeah, but she was nervous the whole she night. She was nervous like, the whole I don't night. Know, should I drink? 
will they catch me? I'm like, if you got in, they're not checking your ID now. As it just act like you know what you're doing, and it's fine. She's like, are you sure? I said, trust me. Yeah, but then we got stopped by the cops on the way home. Yeah, that was (laughs) That was funny. Out of everything, we got stopped by the cops. I was going to say, I used to do that. I used to St. Patrick's Day, they check everyone. No, I was like, any other day. Well, maybe years ago. Yeah. It's a big difference. Dude, I was yeah. sitting at the bar owners and they were buying me drinks. And <laughs> I remember going. That's just it, though. You, you get friendly with the owners and it's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, they didn't know. They all thought I was older. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sitting at 20 and guy's on his second bar or second bar uh, hop because he got the wrong shirt. He didn't like it, so he was on his second. <laughs> it's the same. It's my 21st and I was drinking shots at like noon, but it, it wasn't my 20th. <laughs> Well, it was like, what was it, my twenty first? Yeah. See, the thing is, I never had any of that because I mean, I grew up where the drinking yeah. was nineteen. So since yeah, <laughs> I don't drink, I never. Oh, twenty one was not that big for me. Well, this was on Mackinac, and there was nothing yeah. to yeah. do. But drink. <laughs> but yeah, work and drink. There was nothing. The like last that. bit of news I have is about <laughs> Netflix. Since we're about to get into a Netflix show, um, Netflix is apparently setting up a Toronto production hub. And um, in Toronto's Portlands, it has signed a lease for four new Cinespace Studio sound stages and offices totaling 164,000 square feet, and another four from Pinewood Toronto Studios totaling 84,000 square feet, including offices. It's multi-year leases, creating uh, almost 2,000 jobs per year for the region. Wow. Wow. Adding projects that are already booked for the hub. Uh, which includes the horror anthology series Guillermo del Toro Presents 10 After Midnight. Oh. As well as a holiday film called Let It Snow, which I'm pretty sure is like a Hallmark romance. Uh, <laughs> It'll be on your list for next year. Yeah. I'm going to do that again. I'll know, man. I'll know. I like what they did with uh, the Kurt Russell Santa movie. That's true. Yeah. If it's similar to that one, if it's similar to that, it'll yeah. be okay. Um, so basically, the Portlands is an area of Toronto that they've been developing for various things over the past few years, and they've, they've redeveloped it into like a flood-proof area and everything. Um, and Google's sister company, Sidewalk Labs, already has a detailed proposal as well to grow its uh, urban innovation zone into hundreds of acres in that area as well. So it's becoming a huge part of uh, Toronto industry. Um, and interestingly, because Netflix has been criticized uh, as having such a big presence in Canada and not being... Uh, being a, and being a foreign country it, a company, it doesn't have um, the have to pay the taxes involved with Canadian content or produce Canadian content. There are actually regulations in Canada that require production companies to create a certain percentage of Canadian content. Mm-hmm. This is how we ensure that we keep our stuff open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, in 2017, Netflix actually said it would spend $500 million over five years to fund Made in Canada content. Nice. So they're kind cool. of making sure they're staying on the good side of both the government and the industry folks yeah. there by saying, hey, we'll give you a bunch of money. Well, I mean, it, it, it helps them. I mean, yeah, exactly. It helps them all too. the other studios have to have that type of deal or something going too for as much as films in Vancouver. Well, yeah, but a lot of those, yeah, but a lot of them, they have Canada based portions. Like yeah. there is a Warner Brothers Canada. Right. You know, so they have, they already have things on, in, in agreement that they have to do anyway. So. Hey. The funny thing is, like, watching a lot of what watching, I know we're about to talk about uh, Umbrella Academy, but watching it, knowing that it was filmed in Toronto, Toronto is one of those weird cities, like, with the way people film it, it can either look like just any city, or it can look European. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, it's 
weird. They're like, you know, like... The, the, interestingly, the sections they chose of Toronto, they kind of stuck with one general area. They were mm-hmm. in kind of like the west of west end of Toronto and mm-hmm. Queen West yeah. um, with a lot of those old buildings. Mm-hmm. And it, do, it feels a little more European for that side of Toronto with mm-hmm. a lot of the older stuff that's there. Mm-hmm. And that's why they choose Toronto for yeah. so many shoots because yeah. you even have your quote-unquote ethnic communities in Toronto. You have Little Italy, you have Chinatown, you have Little India and all this stuff. So you have different areas that you can get completely different feels for. I mean, like, like was it Kung Fu The Ledge Continues? They, they used China, the, uh, Toronto's Chinatown mm-hmm. as the basis for that area. And honestly, even the ATMs in that part are in... Um, Chinese. Mm-hmm. And the street signs. Yeah, the street signs. Well, Greek, you go to Greek town, town, everything's Cyrillic as well as English. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, one thing I've noticed that, um, I knew about anyway, but it seems like people don't know. Um, we didn't notice it specifically when we were watching Titans and now Doom Patrol how much, because um, it's like Toronto is north of, northeast of us, but how much it looks just like Ohio. Mm-hmm. The, same, the same reason to film in Cleveland would be like Toronto, because you have so much round that it couldn't double for anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, in Cleveland, you can go to mountainous areas if you go a little bit south, a little bit east, you go mm-hmm. to west, and it's dead flat. Yep. Same thing with Toronto. You got all this stuff around the. And um, Vancouver, a lot of times, Vancouver looks like Vancouver. Yeah. No matter yeah. what you do, it's going to look like Vancouver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Toronto does, it mimics all kinds of other things. It's like it filming in New York City. You can film in New York City and find all kinds of different stuff there. Toronto's right. the same way because it's such. A diverse city. Yeah. Right. And it's been built by so many different people over time. Yeah. Same well, thing with New York. The older sides and newer sides, you get no, it blocks away, you have two totally different cities. It's an older city too, though, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, it's really old. It used to be called York. It's a very old city. Cool. But yeah. So that is the end of the actual news. Okay. <laughs> well, we did already start into uh, Umbrella Academy a little bit. Yes. Right. So um, <clears throat> okay guys, this is where we're gonna get in fully into Umbrella Academy. So we're going to spoil everything now. We are. (laughs) And it was worth it. This thing, it was, once again, this was totally nuts. Not quite on the part of where Doom Patrol's going, but they're trying to be as crazy as possible. (laughs) But this was awesome because it was so, because of how crazy some of it got. Well, yeah, basically, as you go in, it's it's a little more of a drama for the first few Mm -hmm. episodes. A little more family, dysfunctional family kind of drama. Um, and you have to understand that going in. Don't give up. Because <laughs> I've heard a lot of people after the first few episodes, they're like, I, this is not what I was looking for. Um, and it's not, it, it is not your typical superhero show. You have to figure out who these characters are. Mm-hmm. You see a little bit of the superheroing in every episode, but it doesn't really kick off big time until about the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. And it's all, well, most of it is not crazy special effects superhero stuff. Right. It's, right. Um, it's Diego being able to hit anything with a knife. Right. Yeah. Hit target no matter where it is. He can uh, he can hook a knife around the corner and hit you. Yes. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> you get that in the first episode. He's like, right. it, it looks like but the knives are going straight and they take a knife. By doing camera angles right, that's a practical effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, with, you get... Um, Luther has super strength. Yeah. But... You don't need much to show that. Yeah, you don't have a lot of these... You don't need a whole lot. This is not a super expensive show to make, for right. Us. right? Until you get to the last couple of episodes. Well, last couple of really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Put the money in the right spot. Right, exactly. That's the important part. Um, okay, so basically, this Umbrella Academy has, as a show or some kind of property, has been in development since 2010. Um, the the actual comics this is based on. The, the first volume came out 2007, 2008. 
second volume, 2008, 2009. They actually just over the past year have come out with the third volume. It took a big 10 year gap, but um, they do have a new volume out now. But this series mixes the first and second volumes. Um, the first one is called Apocalypse Suite, the second one's called Dallas. And so obviously you can tell where the Dallas bits come in. Um, to some degree, I mean... Um, There's a lot more of the Dallas in the book than there is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, one of the main things they took from Dallas was Hazel and Cha-Cha okay. um, as the assassins. They're not in Apocalypse Suite. They actually are in Dallas. So, you know, they brought them in. But to go to ten episodes, when you consider it was a short-run series... In yeah, it was only a six-issue like, series. Yeah, it was a short-run series. So to get to ten episodes of a show, you need more. So it's not surprising they mix them together. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you anybody who hasn't read a lot of comics, one comic book you could actually make a fifteen minute yes. episode of a show and cover every inch of that comic. Book. Exactly, exactly. So it's not surprising they had to go deeper into the characters. They had mm-hmm. to bring in some other characters, add yeah. subplots that weren't there at all in the comics. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the original creators were actually on the staff working on this show. They were Gerardway and what was it Gabriel Bach? Gabriel Bach. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, um, the showrunner, Steve Blackman, who also worked on Ultra Carbon, made sure that they knew everything that was going on and essentially approved of it all, um, so that they were directly involved, even things like from costumes and overall look and, and that kind of thing, as well as the plotting, and, and they were both, the, the creators, they were both really happy with how things were turning out and, and the direction they were going, um, and the, uh, one of the other things about this show that you get right from the start is the soundtrack. Like, with a lot of shows lately, you're getting these yes. awesome, funky soundtracks to go along, mostly with the fighting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or love the dance scenario uh, that one uh, there, there, there are a oh, couple yeah. of There are a couple of dance scenes, one involving Tiffany, uh, <laughs> which, which surprisingly was really cute. It was. Uh, and then later on, you have a bit of a love story um, dance scene. Um, as well, but you actually had, uh, having been uh, a musician anyway, Gerard Way actually contributed a couple of covers to the show. Um, he did the, the cover of Hazy Shade of Winter and the cover of Happy Together mm-hmm. for the soundtrack. And Mary J. Blige, who we know is Cha Cha, she actually did a cover of Stay With Me. She's the one that did. Uh, you can you can hear it when she's it's when she's searching the donut shop and like the yes okay yeah 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 that, <laughs> yeah that that is her cover of it and Gabriel Ba the artist of the original comic actually has portraits in the house um, oh nice those are some of the portraits are actually by him um actually real quick did we were Gerard Wayne Gabriel Ba actually in this I did not spot them okay I don't know what they look like because there was a, just a couple times that you see just a random one person walking but it's obvious you can see the face of this extra person just walking yeah, by no. that it would have been a, a cameo type of role to put someone in I didn't see them in there at all I hadn't seen anything that says easter egg wise they were okay. in it um, so no um, now if um, at this point you should have watched it uh, but I'm going to give you the premise anyway um <laughs> 1989, 43 children born on the same day to mothers who were not pregnant when the day started. You get that right at the beginning of the mm-hmm. first episode. Uh, in the comics, by the way, it's 1977, not 1989. So okay. They made more sense to have them present day. Yeah. The and it was interesting they that they did that with the characters at 30 years old. Yeah. But, but actually, that was telling her. If you look, I did not see any cell phones in this entire show. And there's a lot of other things that made it almost ambiguous what time it was. It was a little more atmospheric. Than it it kind of did kind of throw me off when... Uh, yeah, pay phones. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our time. 
Yeah, but see, see, the thing is, the payphone, they had to contact the 50s. Yeah. So that makes sense. Well, no, uh, yeah, that's just that. But um, when, like, Luther and... Uh, that's true. So they're really calling her daughter and stuff. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, um, in case you didn't get it, because it is in one scene, and it's kind of a little vague and convoluted, Sir Reginald is not of this world. No, then... Let's clarify that right they, now. Well, we were watching that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Where did he come from that he's got all these he's, rockets taking off? He, he's, he's a billionaire, he's an inventor, he's a scientist, whatever, but he's also an alien, but he just looks human, and apparently the world he's from looks human, I don't know. And Kylan was like, is the world dying? Because it kind of looks like that world is dying. Yeah. yeah. But it's such a short scene, and it's such a brief peek at the outside, it's not made abundantly clear that, yes, he's an alien. I think some people might actually miss that. Yeah. But it's, it's not even really brought up a lot in the comic. No, it's either. just kind of, there's that brief mention yeah. in the comic. It's kind of like, yeah. that's what it is, get over I didn't, it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it. Like, yeah. right? I didn't know what, yeah, I know, I was, I didn't know where, I didn't get Alien out of it though. Yeah. Yeah. Because he goes from that world, jumps on a boat, and comes over to America. Right, like he's somehow in America. Um, and that's part of why you get this whole... 43 children born and then a bunch of them have powers and somehow That's he's the other one is um, somehow he's able to pick out the ones that have powers because well in the first episode they just say that uh, he was able to get seven of them yes he, it doesn't he say tried, he picked those he seven he tried to get those a bunch of them and was able yeah. to get seven so, so I'm wondering in the rest of the stories do the other kids come into play at all or do the other kids have powers not or <laughs> I don't there is something I think I don't remember if it was in the first or second book I did notice there was something with him and like they were setting off like gas bubbles or something right. that looked like aliens and it was I felt almost felt like those were the 43 children right yeah and and the other thing is if you think about it um you had Leonard who shows up um he was born on the same day as those kids and had nothing except for a very strange pension for killing people right. um, so you know he was born on the same day yeah and and um, well, there's not there's a chance he could have that we just don't know what it was well no because well, he's he's not, I think he was natural yeah, yeah. He was, that was natural there was that one one episode where they showed his birth there was nothing exceptional about his birth yeah. so but his mom died so he was raised by his horrible father but <laughs> so so now we know that um, the basic premise is you've got these kids <laughs> who were adopted and trained to save people and ultimately save the world. And the question is, how does Sir Reginald know the end of the world was coming? So the question comes whether it's because he's an alien and he knew this was coming, or was time travel involved and someone told him this was coming? Well, time travel's all over this show. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I brought up to Kylan at the end because of how it ends. I said, well, what if when they go back, they actually approach him and tell him this is coming? And that's how he knows, to begin with, to start training them. Because it's coming. <laughs> but then if, they, if that would have been, then they would have known what started it. No, because her dad, because he kept seeing Because he still wasn't telling them everything. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so just they, they like and, him and, and, and in, that, in that scene in one of the later episodes when Klaus talks to Hargraves, mm-hmm. and he, he kind of blinks out before he can tell him something, like there was that moment he was going to tell him something, that could have been something related to it. It's sort of like, you know... If we, and back to the future when um, when Marty goes back just before the uh, professor uh, Doc Brown is shot and he tells him now the thing is it creates a different timeline but we're not going to get into that but then <laughs> but then Doc Brown knows to expect that's the thing about this show it does yeah. not address timelines it addresses time as something that's just always there. And much like Doctor Who, it talks about fixed points. Like, th- this thing has to happen. Mm-hmm. So the apocalypse has to happen. 
You have to remember that from the very beginning. The apocalypse has to happen. Right. <laughs> because it happens. Um, that, the, yeah, this whole time bureau type of thing, what the commission that they, the call, commission it, they call it, their whole purpose is to make sure that nothing Certain changes these happen. points. Right. These, so it, it implies that these points are changeable. But they don't allow it to but happen. But they're, they're meant... It, Kind of like timeless, like if it doesn't happen, something happens yeah. in the future that shouldn't happen. So making sure, like the one guy that works on the Lusitania that apparently can't get it right. Yeah. Um, and then the Hindenburg, which number five takes care of almost immediately. Right. And the, the one woman who's in charge of the apocalypse, like everyone gets their own element of time that they have to take care of. But it's like time is always there and that, that instant always exists. Mm -hmm. And they have to keep an eye on it as to what's going in and out of that existence to make sure it happens. So it's not alternate timelines like you get in other things yeah. and the other thing is there is a question of paradoxes in terms of meeting yourself etc because if you notice when 5 jumps back and forth and all this sort of stuff he never comes across a point in his timeline where he'd run into himself mm -hmm. so that kind of brings up at the very end of the show how far back they go into the past because they may have to go back to Dallas in the 60s right. Uh, which would make sense if they're using that storyline um, to avoid running into themselves as kids right. in the 80s. Right. See, so, yeah, like, that, that's because my, my question was, okay, so like, they, let's say they go back to, let's see, they're born in 89. So let's say they go back to, I don't know, 99. That's where they go back to. If they go back to 99, do they replace themselves? or Because you had... These ten-year-olds already there, right? And I just yeah, so uh, yeah. That's, that's what they didn't address. In yeah. Like the, that element of time travel. And yeah. And like you said, the, the, them bringing five in, where after he'd already been disappeared for a while. Yeah. yeah. You don't know where he didn't, he didn't have to jump back and forth like that. And and that's the thing. Like this first season didn't really bring in time travel aside from number five and the commission. Right. But by the end of the season, because he's taking them all back in time with him, mm -hmm. it becomes a huge element and you have to question all those yeah. things. But talking to time travel, I felt kind of bad for Klaus when he opened oh up the, the suitcase. Klaus getting sent back to the Vietnam War. Yeah. <laughs> and what seems like, you know, like a day he's gone and he was gone for more than a year. Yeah. And <laughs> like the PTSD he had immediately coming back, like he's just been thrown back yeah. into the present mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. When yesterday he was in the Vietnam War, like oh my god, yeah. <laughs> no wonder he falls apart. And this man he fell in love with there died in his arms yes. right there, and then gets sent back here. So he had a romance that, yeah. and, and his his lover was killed, and he has the trauma of war, and boom, he's back in the prison. Well, and then the apocalypse is happening tomorrow. And forced to get clean. Well, and that he was forced to get clean. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's a junkie to start with. Yeah, and then he gets clean so that he can try and see. Was it Dave? Dave. Dave. Yeah, Dave again, and then that's, you know, partly why he ends up seeing his dad again, and right. that's why Well, the cool thing, though, is this whole show, there's seven kids, and Ben disappears at some point, but he's still in the show the entire time. Which, interestingly, is one change they made, because in the comics, he's really not in it. Yeah. He's, he's there at the beginning, and something happened where he got killed. He doesn't have this connection with Klaus in the comics. He's not a ghost attached to Klaus. Yeah. He's like um, Klaus's yeah. angel on his shoulders. He's kind of a conscience. Yeah, yeah he, he's, 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 he's his Jiminy Cricket is what he is. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. 
Um, but then again, I love but, how he was able to start physically and just yes, him. and and that came out of um, Sir Reginald talking about how Klaus was a disappointment because he had so much more to do with his powers that he hadn't yeah. discovered. Maybe that's part of his powers being able to transfer energy to the spirits. And that that's Connect. that's more present in the books. There's a little okay. bit more. And first of all, Klaus is is an old guy in the books. I mean, so don't go to the books and get disappointed that Klaus is not Klaus, because he's not. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the interesting thing is, watching, seeing the other characters, I've seen Robert Sheehan, who plays him, in a couple other shows, and it's like, uh, did you guys ever see Misfits? Yeah. The, the personality is almost, is very, very yes. similar. The, yes. And it is a superpower creature, person, right. even though it's different powers, but the personality is almost the same. Right. And even in Mortal Instruments, he wasn't crazy, but he still had that same look and feel to it's himself. He's a vampire. Yeah. yeah. It's his time. He was a vampire. He's, exactly. he's a perfect vampire, actually, if yeah. you just look at right. him. Um, but, okay, basically, uh, we should probably go through the characters. Like, Luther, number one, strong guy. Um, he is Mr. Hyde. I without felt, the personality. But, but, yeah. When it comes to physically, I felt bad for him. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Being said. And, well, really, in a way, you can look at all of them and feel bad for some mm-hmm. some extent because of things that have they happened They were very damaged. Yeah. yeah. And, interestingly, um... In the show, Luther is uh, almost mortally injured in uh, a, tra- a mission he went on. That happens in the comics as well, but he's not given a serum in the comics. Um, and, and he's older in the show. When it's, it's when he's younger, there's a mission to Mars. And he's, uh, he's injured to the point of dying. His head gets transplanted onto a Martian ape. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this one. In the comics, it makes sense. But when I see, when I saw the body of this one, when you actually see the fur and stuff, I was thinking Doctor Jekyll must hide. Mm-hmm. But it was um, almost like if you had taken Jekyll and Hyde. And it said two separate personalities, they're all in one person. So if it was yeah. Mr. Hyde with Dr. Jekyll's brain. Yeah, it's, it's Hyde's body and, and Jekyll's personality. Because he, he actually does look like Hyde from The Extraordinary Gentleman. He does. Mm-hmm. He actually does. Without the slightly apish face. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so, he yeah and, and if you had taken Jekyll's brain and put it into Hyde's body, that's what you have with yeah. So and, and so, you know, he's number one, he's the strong man, he's the leader of the team. Then you have Diego. Um, he, Diego and Luther don't always get along. They're brothers. They're, that is actually, I think, out of all of this, this was like the most realistic brother yes. relationship. Right. Diego thinks Luther's too good, though. <laughs> he, yeah. he thinks he needs a reality check. I, think, I think Diego's my favorite. I, I think he may be my favorite, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 he, he's kind of a jerk, but I, I like him. He, I, he has a soft spot, and, yeah. and if you can get to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. If you can find it, that's um, all nice. And <laughs> it's no surprise that when... Essentially, someone who seemed like the love of his life was killed that he went after the killers. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no surprise there. And you feel bad for him, both for that aspect and um, his his relationship with mom and how he was a stutterer and she actually cared for him and, and helped him through mm-hmm. that. And yeah. you can tell afterwards, after the destruction of that, he starts to stutter again. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. the stress of it just gets to him and he can't concentrate. Right. Um, but he's the one that's skilled with knives. Uh, actually, I actually had a question on that. Mm-hmm. What? Um, he's the one that's closest to mom. And, and, and they actually never say it in the. They never explain it to everybody else, but we get to see. He's the one that actually killed mom. Yes. Yes. What's that have to. Because they never explained it oh, past that. Her off. If I remember right. Yeah. He yeah. shut her down and actually had her. Took the battery or whatever. But they never explained why he did that or anything else about that. It's just because he knew that she. That wasn't her anymore. There was something. Yeah. yeah there was, because, I mean, when. 
when he did it was when she was like cross stitching uh-huh. and she started stitching parts yeah. of her skin and she he realized that they were right about her worn something was wrong wires, yeah. Yeah. essentially she was aging in, in a robot way yeah essentially well that and also did we find out later how um Reginald and um was it Pongo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Re- Reginald Pongo had actually reprogrammed her and it and you can tell that did didn't work with her. Yeah. Or it, it, it reprogrammed her to do something, but it took more than just what they changed. Well the yeah, the problem was she was created to be caring and to care for the children. Mm-hmm. And then they took that away. They put something in her to make her not care about him when he killed himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, to not and that kind of screwed her up a yeah. little bit. Yeah, not to the uh, first aid. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have number three, Allison, um, who can basically make you do things or, or change reality by telling you it's changed. She starts the phrase with, she I, heard, a rumor. I heard a rumor that, and whatever she says, that's what happens because the, the person just believes. And here she's an um, extremely successful actress, and yes. like, that makes sense if you have power suggestion. Yeah, exactly. You, and and she wondered, did she, was it all on her? She, or did no, she, she rumor she her way into her, it? She used her powers to get there. <laughs> And then, because she got used to using her powers, and when she had a daughter, and she would start using her powers on her daughter to get her to behave. Mm-hmm. Didn't they, I think she did it on the husband, too. Yeah, yeah. At, at various points she had done. And Which it, is why I it, really think why he, why he yeah. left, because he just started putting two Yeah, she, she basically screwed up, is, yeah. is what happened. She screwed up her marriage and her life by doing this sort of thing, and that's why she stopped doing it. You know, by right. the time she comes back for the funeral and everything, she had stopped because it ruined everything. Um, but it, that's a pretty impressive power, though. <laughs> My personal favorite, and it was in the book, it was when they're fighting the uh, Lincoln Memorial, mm-hmm. in which she cre- ends up creating. Uh, she says, "I heard a rumor you got shot in the back of the head," and she creates an equally um, statue, equal statue of John Wilkes Booth to shoot him in the yeah. back of the head. Yeah. Like she, no, they're literally fighting the Lincoln Memorial. They're not fighting at the Lincoln Memorial. They're fighting the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> and then like, he got up out of the damn chair. <laughs> and then John Wilkes Booth kind of shot. Yeah. Oh. Because, because something has to happen to make that happen. So there were no guns there. That's wrong. So someone had to <laughs> And then he wasn't. Um, but, but Klaus is definitely... I was surprised really I actually guy. liked him a lot better than I expected. I liked him in the hotel room the best. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> um, Klaus is the one who talks to the dead. Um, in the comics, he can actually levitate and take possession of, the, uh, of ghosts and others. So they changed that a little, but it could be coming considering his powers kind of manifest more yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically all he's doing with the drugs is he's suppressing everything. And, and that's, that was his whole point. Yeah. He, he wanted to be it. numb, yeah. Yeah, um, by using the drugs all of a sudden it turns off the voices. Yeah, whether, whether he's drunk, whether he's high, it makes them all go away. And so when he was tied up in the hotel with Hazel and Chacha, all of a sudden all of their victims come to visit him <laughs> and complain about their deaths. The best part is Hazel and Chacha's reaction to his reaction to being tortured. <laughs> I don't know that we want to go there. No, 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 not in the details, but he was enjoying it much more than he should Some have. Some people enjoy being choked. Put it that way. <laughs> oh, he got it. He got the point with asking his 
and two different timelines to tie him up. Yes, yeah, he. I was like being tied up. I don't think he realized he liked to be tied up. <laughs> right? It was a good way to get sober. Put it that way. Um, then we have number five, aka the boy in the comics, um, only known as number five. He's never given a name. He's no. five. Um, and yes, he's he's always doing the time travel thing, whether it's comics or show. And they they didn't really change. Um, Change much from the comics. It's pretty much. Is it, does he, he have a girlfriend? Yes. Del- yes. yes. Okay. Oh. Dolores had to yeah, be Dolores. in this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, if you're the last person on earth, it, it, it almost makes sense that you'd be broken <laughs> enough. That yeah, you need someone to talk to, and at least that makes it seem like you're not talking to yourself. Right. Come on. <laughs> hey, the, 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 the kid that uh, that plays five deserves an award because. He, I, 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 I struggled seeing him as a kid because in my head he was a fifty-something-year-old hitman. <laughs> yeah, he felt like it the whole time. Yes, and yeah. and look up, look up the comic and look at the kid who plays him on the show. That was yeah, really it is casting. so close. It's crazy casting how much that fits. I mean, the comic is a very stylized kind of artwork anyway. But they got a good kid to play him. I mean, he was just constantly exasperated. Well, I get it. Like he was exasperated with everybody. He's just like, we gotta think. All of the rest of these are thirty years old. He's fifty-seven. He's exactly. plenty of time. He's already gone through all this. He's like, you know what? Will you just get in your head? Yes. Yeah, like, Come on. That fact is going to be a second. Yeah, everybody again. And then we have number six, who was killed when he was younger. Interestingly, even in the comics, you don't know why he was killed. You don't know how. Okay. What I, it, what I don't get is the fact that he was killed as a kid, but he's an adult. Yeah. I, well, see, that, that's, I think in the show, it's, it's questionable when he was killed. Like, you know, okay. like they, could, they could kind of make up a different... Because really, the statue of him does not look like kid no. now either. No. So he had to have been killed when he was at least a little older. I was thinking um, early 20s. Yeah, yeah. But so, is his power the same in the book with the like, tentacles yes, coming out of his he's, belly? Um, I forget what he's called in the book. What's in the book? I think the it's book horror. called the horror. Horror. Yeah. horror. And it's basically, he, he manifests these beasts, and it's not necessarily just the same beast, but they come through a portal in his skin. Oh, is that? Okay. That's what it is. And this is tentacles. Yeah, but usually it's shown as tentacles, because um, that's probably the easiest way to show there's a beast inside you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting that in the show, they made sure to keep Ben a character. So you actually, viewers actually knew Ben was yeah, there. Yeah, he's there the entire time. And not until the very end does the rest of the Academy know he's there because Klaus finally uses some other power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's something in the first episode, too, though, because they, you know, they started showing them, you know, each number. And then it was like, you got four, and then they jumped to seven. And it was like, What's going on? Yeah, you know, and then they then they point out that five's gone. Okay, yeah. Well, we're six. Yeah, and right. I feel like you had to say something. You had to show six in some yeah. way. Right. They showed everybody else. Mm-hmm. So exactly. if they didn't show six and just left it, it would have been really confusing for viewers who didn't true. know anything about the story. That's true. Um, if I remember, I think he was looking it up last night in the comic books. Wasn't number two known as the Kraken? Yes, or something. So is that a different power than no, what Diego has? No, he was he was knives. He was yeah yeah. So well, I, don't, I, I, do, I never understood. That. I don't know why they actually gave him that name, other than it, you know, other than it's it's something that takes you by surprise and comes yeah. out of nowhere. Well, when she said one of them was called the Kraken, I was thinking you it was thought six. it was bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes a little more sense, but I don't know why he was giving that name. Um, and then we have number seven, Vanya, who, um, first half of the season is ordinary, 
and <laughs> believes she's ordinary, and everyone thinks she's ordinary. It's because she's always been told she's ordinary. She's ultimately <laughs> the most powerful and important character in the entire damn show. <laughs> and the same is true in the comics. Um, this is one, though, that really didn't come as a surprise towards the end for me, and I picked it up pretty quick that something's up with her. Well, the thing is, anyone who's watched any comic book-related stuff, you know that the person they're saying is normal is not normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they come nope. say the apocalypse is coming, apocalypse is coming. No one's like, ordinary. <laughs> She's the one that nothing is happening to at all. She is the apocalypse. <laughs> and, and really, Sir Reginald was looking for a particular type of kid. Mm-hmm. There's no way he chose an ordinary child. Yeah. You know, even if that's the only one he could get or whatever, there's no way he chose an ordinary just child. Just control her, basically. Exactly. So, yeah. so by at the last few episodes, you finally find out what happened to her as a kid. Basically, she would go through some training, but then she would rebel. And he knew how powerful she could be. Well, yeah, she killed, what, five, six nannies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's going to those nannies, and that's why it's all the robots. <laughs> At the very beginning of the show, she seems like the most somewhat level-headed and normal out of all the kids, because yeah. all the rest of them are jacked up and gone. Yeah. They're all messed up, every one of them. She seems like the most normal, but time you get to the end, the rest of them are working together as a family, actually, and she is the most, and you find out she is the most broken of all of them. Well, the thing is, it always has been. if you think about it, as a kid, <laughs> she got used to being the outcast. She got used to not being included. She got used to all of that. So growing up, that's how she felt, and that's what she was. And she totally accepted that. I mean, being a musician, being a violinist, essentially was a solo career. Like, you could be part of the orchestra, obviously, but it's a solo pursuit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you don't need anyone else to help you. Because, yeah, because it looked like, A, she's never had any kind of relationships. Right. She probably didn't, it didn't even look like she even had friends. Yeah. Other than the older lady that was always... And, and then she, but she totally accepted it. That's the type of person she was. She accepted then it. Then the people she did know, her students were all children. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, until Harold showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we, you have Vanya who ultimately and is is the prime the prime suspect in the very first volume of the comics as well. Apocalypse Suite refers to a, a musical number, a suite in that sense, and uh, she's known in the comics as the White Violin. So those of us who've read the comics, it was so damn satisfying at the very end <laughs> for everything to go white like that. Like it happens differently in the comics, and the ending is different. But to see her transform in essentially the um, the Dark Phoenix moment mm-hmm. um, was, was incredibly satisfying, and and uh, it, the apocalypse always happens. Mm-hmm. It just happens. Um, but yeah, we we mostly talked about the rest of the characters. Um, Pogo. Yeah, that's the where did Pogo um, come from? This is like human. Chimpanzee he, yeah, but he's, hybrid. He's well. If you think about the fact that Sir Reginald had a serum to turn Luther into something, yeah. Well, and when you find out, he's able to turn Pogo into something. It has to do with apes in general because yeah. later on, when they need blood for uh, number three, um, Allison. For Allison, they couldn't use Luther's blood because, because they, Pogo says yours is too close to mine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so that, that's part of the serum. It actually transformed him yeah. into something. So. Sir Reginald, in his alien wisdom, <laughs> was able to turn Pogo into what Pogo is. Okay. That was a completely sentient individual yeah. who was essentially his companion and his assistant. And, he was and, his Alfred, well, basically. Yeah, that also. And if he's an alien, we have no idea when he actually came to Earth, either. Well, we know he came to New York in the 20s. Yeah, but he could have been in Europe for... Well, and the other question is, though, yeah. why 
was Pogo actually of this Earth? It's right. possible yeah. that he actually came. Well, another clue about the aliens would be the uh, mother. Yes. A completely um, real android, basically. Yeah. The, the fact that, that they actually created her um, and her abilities and her interactions, and it was just like totally beyond any kind of robot sort of thing yeah. they ever had before. Um, Grace, aka Mom, who actually raised the kids because Sir, She's Reg- tough. Sir Reginald was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> she, she could have been from an alternate like future. She really actually yeah. could have been. She could have been from anywhere as well when, when you get involved in the time travel stuff. Um, but interestingly, the one thing about Pogo I did want to mention, he was created by Weta Digital. Okay. This is the first. That makes sense. This is the first work that Weta has done in a TV series. Because mm-hmm. didn't, so. didn't they also do the Planet of the Apes movies? Yeah. She's very much like one of the apes from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah, and Weta did. Um, what well, first became really well known? They did Alita. First became really well known for Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Yeah. Work yeah. Is where everyone they heard of Weta because they were out of. I think they were out of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So, so yeah, it's their first. I think it's actually um, Peter Jackson's company originally. Yeah, yeah. I think it may still be protected. And I take a look at Pogo. Like, there's no way you you don't not believe him. Like, yeah, it's no. like he just looks like he fits in with every. Well, that's why I think I think what they so did fluid. they took their models that they had from Planet of the Apes that were that's awesome. so realistic yeah. and were able to basically put a suit on him mm-hmm. and put him in with people anyway. Because exactly. well, that's in those movies, you you totally believe those apes are real, right? Well, I mean, the, the, the scene where, where Pogo gets killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just, just the whole, like, the, the way the body reacted to, to being levitated and then being thrown. Yeah, all the mannerisms that just fit yeah, really well. You know, and like, even like the way he, oh, this is kind of morbid, but the way he kind of hung there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was just... Yeah, was, I mean they know what they're doing with yeah. the form of bodies. Like, well, yeah. that, this was you know it was a motion capture, so there was a yeah. person on set who was Pogo, and they yeah. replaced right. someone. Someone was up there. So they, uh, and they actually um, in the special features for Alita what, that we saw, the way they can do that now with because they put the camera right on your face and stuff, so mm-hmm. even your facial expressions are in this CG exactly. character. It transfers over real time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we have Pogo and Mom, and then we have Hazel and Cha Cha. Um, who, like I said, they were from. They're actually from the Dallas storyline. In the Dallas storyline, they're both middle-aged white guys. They're actually Nazis, um, and that—that's a lot to do with the organization. So it's kind of nice they kind of switch some of that. Um, but putting especially since it, they make them sympathetic characters, and too. and making them male and female made no difference. This is why it was good that they went ahead and changed and put Mary J. Blige as Cha Cha, because. The rule itself had nothing different about it. It wasn't made for a female character. It was nothing. It, like nothing was different. But you got a lot more about them as characters that you just don't get in the book. Like you yeah, don't. They, they. You don't even know they're, if they're human. Yeah, because they actually wear their masks all the time in the book. So you don't actually see them. Okay. You don't get any background. You don't get any interaction. So that was part of fleshing out the story for this. Mm-hmm. Um, was to create create. Them and create a sympathy there. Yeah. Especially with Hazel's romance. <laughs> that was adorable. With the donut lady. Um, Kylan was very happy about that. And was a, a, lot of the, a lot of shows, they don't put that size of like an age gap in there. She no. was obviously, what, her probably late 50s or she was, 60s. She was definitely older than him. And, and he that was, was maybe in his early 40s. And that was the cool thing about this was that it was a switch from the usual older man, younger woman. Yeah. But once you got down to it, it didn't even matter. Like, they were, like, on equal footing. Mm-hmm. They got along with everything. 
And it just, I don't know, it just like made sense and it was cute. And it crushes you. The, every scene you see with them, the, he knows he's, there's only two days left of the world. Yes. And she's talking about all the stuff they want to do together. He's and, like, and he, he, he's trying everything he can to not tell her we've only got two days left. Well, yeah, and then that early scene, he's like, you know, you might want to push your, uh, your time schedule up a little. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. Um, but interestingly, if you notice at the very end, as the apocalypse happens, because it happens, it's not a spoiler because you must have watched it. Um, as it happens, the academy blinks out after turning into kids again. Yeah. And everyone else is getting swallowed by fire. Hazel and Agnes blink out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cha-Cha gets swallowed by fire. Yeah. So there's a question about that. Hazel, Hazel and Agnes are kissing at the hotel at the time it comes and they blink out. Yes, there, there's the blue flash just like the Academy had. Yeah. So they've gone somewhere. Five may have grabbed them or something? And I doubt that. I, I, I say doubt five may have affected the blink. But they're, they're, they're so far away. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're far really away. far away. Um, yeah, but they, like they said before, time doesn't really matter. No, so five no. could have been going for five years. But the thing is, based on the order of things that happened, the apocalypse was happening. And if Hazel and Cha-Cha succeeded in what they were supposed to do, they were going to be given their retirement. So it's possible that it hadn't happened yet when it hit Hazel, but when it hit Cha-Cha. Mm-hmm. So she, she went out with the fire, but it had happened by the time it got to Hazel. So he got to go to his timeline. Right. It's possible. But <laughs> Hazel didn't believe that. No, no. What I'm just saying, he blinked. Cha-Cha didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and the, 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 the interesting thing to, to remember this was that there's the one episode where Five um, basically goes back in time to relive and get in there with the family meeting. So yeah, Allison that, and Luther don't have their dance. It's in, it's in yeah, <laughs> episode yeah, that. seven. Is the, uh, that's the only episode that actually was an episode you really didn't need at all for the show. Other than seeing that this is what, whichever way you saw that Alice and Luther, this was something right. that was going to happen. Well, no, and all of a sudden, that's why that show gets retconned back. That's why you needed it, though. You needed to know that they actually yeah. knew all of this stuff. It's when Vanya <coughs> finds, finds the, the journal yeah. that that dude has. It's when uh, Luther and Allison have their dance. It's when Diego finds something out from Mom as they're walking in the park. She tells him the truth about everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when Luther finds out about his father... As well, yeah, and that's why. But, but like, he does eventually find that. But Diego doesn't find out the truth yeah, of mom. Right. But they retconned that whole episode out, so that really did. You could take that out, and it wouldn't have affected the way the story. But it goes. affects how you feel about yeah. the story. Right. Awesome. Yeah, it yeah. affects how you feel about those characters, knowing that Luther and Allison didn't get that dance, knowing mm-hmm. that Diego didn't get the truth from mom, because mom was the one who had to tell him. Right. You know the relationship they had together. He needed that from her. Right. And so it, it makes a difference as to how you see the characters and how you see the rest of it playing out. And that, when, when, when he asked her the second time around, and she kind of looks this way and sees Pogo and then the door yeah. shuts behind, that almost made me think, is Pogo, like, the mastermind? Like, the, the, the you know, the guy well, behind the because Pogo told her yeah. not to talk about it. Yeah, yeah Pogo, we gotta remember, and Pogo knows people, everything. And, she's, and she knows to follow orders, because that's right. all she's ever done. Yeah, because you remember, this whole thing, Pogo knows all of it. Yeah. And the only time he actually lets any of those secrets out is when there's no other choice or when someone already figures it out. So, okay, you guys figured it out on your own. Now I can actually fill in the details. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the, the other side of that is I felt like you know, it was beneficial for us watching this to see that in some cases, no matter how things happen, certain things were going to happen. Yeah. You know, because... 
Luther is still finding out, although his reaction was somewhat different. Well, and what um, would have happened with Vanya if, if it had stayed that first way with her finding the journal under the bed? Exactly. Would she still have killed him? Right. That way or at all? I think well, she, she would have. Well, she hadn't learned her powers yet. I think yeah. she would have ran off. Yeah. I think she would have took off. Yeah, she would have taken the journal and gone. Well, that, and getting back to that, was that. Whose body was wrapped up, up upstairs in his attic? That, that was the first chair. That was the first chair lady. I couldn't. I, I, I put, he, I put he, it together he killed, later. He killed first chair and he killed the other dude that had beaten them yeah. up. Yeah, and that was a that was a theme because yeah. you notice both of them were kind of wrapped up in a tarp, just sitting aside somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At first, had, you thought it was six. Yeah, I thought it may have been six because right. I couldn't tell immediately. But then later on, when they're talking about her disappearing, I'm yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. And now. interestingly, um, just one last thing about about Vanya's transformation in the comics. Essentially, it's a death cult that finds her and realizes her powers and starts to nurture her. And her transformation is a bit more on the robotic side of things. Yeah. It's okay. not a natural. It's like they turn her into a violin. Yes, yeah. they, they like literally. She looks violin-ish in the comics hmm. by the oh, end of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so she does literally become the white violin. Whereas they wanted in the show, the showrunner said he wanted to make it more psychological, partly. Because of Ellen Page playing her, because she's so good at that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it to be much more psychological transformation than a physical one, and just show it physical at the end, and that what was happening. So the question is, like, how did Howard, aside from the journal, how did Howard know about this, and was he part of, like, a death cult that'll come up later, or mm-hmm. is it just, like, that he replaced that yeah. entirely? Right. Well, um, the interesting thing also is with her power, um, obviously she turns sound into energy. But is there a psychological element to that too? Because when she's on the stage trying out her first scene, and um, as she's playing, the energy's going out, but you can tell it's almost like she's um, changed the will of the people because the guy mm-hmm. listening was not even paying attention it, to her. It makes it then all of a sudden, pleasant. I was like, wait, something, I feel better about this. There's an emotional And that, was, and that was the first time she had done that without her drug. And she didn't know, yeah, she and didn't know about it. It felt good to her, and it was kind of like that good feeling came yeah. out. Mm-hmm. To, so is it as down. much. Explosion of yeah. power out, or is it? That's what, out? It's, it's emotional in general. Because yeah. if you look, whenever whenever some well, yeah. emotion takes her, 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 her emotions are controlling it. And mostly, you see it as bad emotion, like her feeling angry or something. Yeah, like when she, she was walking and like bending the. Be- uh, yeah, when she was bending the lamppost at first, right. and, and then of course when there was the fight and she threw the guys and right. stuff, and yeah, so there's there's a lot with her, but. By the end of this, it's kind of just like, yeah. where's it going now? It's so, cool. and like I said, like I pointed out from the beginning, it's cool because you get um, her fall and everybody else go like her going to the, the most broken spot she can be, where the other ones are going from the most broken they are at to coming together as a team again, coming together as a team and actually becoming a family. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting well, and to see what we're going to go from here. The thing is, though, they don't leave her behind. No, in, she in is the, still in family. the comics. Let me tell you, Allison does shoot her in the back of the head. Uh, so, so you were expecting comments. that when you saw the uh, gun. When, when, I mean, she had a gun at the back of her head. And I'm like, are they going there? They're going right there. And then she shifted and just had to distract her, mm-hmm. which was a good change. I mean, obviously, if you want a second season with the same characters. Uh, well, what's the chance with now that um, her being mute because she had a vocal cord throat? What's the chance of white violin now is deaf? Well, and so she can't control well, sound. Well, she can't hear. well I, can, I, can, I can tell you that the, the muteness doesn't continue. Uh, <laughs> There's there's a thing that happens and she gets that was confusing though. Was it? It was, it yeah, is. but I don't I don't think they ever explained. They just said suddenly, oh, you decided. There's to talk. just a way that she can talk in the comics. She just talks like it just 
And it only comes out... They'll, like, they'll have to explain it in the show. Yeah, there's like one little thing where it's like, oh, oh crap, we've got her mute, and we need her to talk for this to happen. Yeah. Suddenly yeah. she's going to talk. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a magic trick suddenly. Um, so so the, the question is now that at the end of the show, they've all zipped back in time, but they're also, they also became their younger selves to kind of right. match where Five is. I'm wondering if they end up going back in time. They go back before they were born... But they see, but they find Reginald and tell him about all this, which mm-hmm. is the reason why he is constantly telling Five, "No, don't travel in time." Exactly, because he knows that if he goes forward, goes forward in time, he'll see the apocalypse. If he goes back in time, he might run into himself. Right. And also, if he goes forward in time and sees the apocalypse, then he gets caught up in the organization. Yeah. And all but <laughs> it would also them knowing how the apocalypse happens could lead to Reginald seeing, yes, she has powers, and I can't control them. If I can't control them, this is going to happen. I need to keep her from using her powers. Right. So yeah. maybe maybe all this happens because Five travels. Because mm-hmm. well, what, happens if, what happens if he never went? Yeah, yeah. well, that, if Vanya never... Um, Becomes the white violin, she doesn't shoot the moon and it doesn't right. destroy the earth. Right, but all that happened because he traveled forward in time. And I'm so I'm just saying, I'm saying, like, if he, if yeah. that one moment, mm-hmm. because of the butterfly effect, if that one moment is changed. Yeah. yeah what, but what, what happened because he was scared. But Five actually mentions the butterfly effect at yeah. one point. If you yeah. Think. But it all basically happens because he's scared of oh, yeah. Billy, he can't control her. Yeah. yeah. So what if he goes back in time? And makes it where she can control. Yeah. So yeah. she would never become the, you know, the outcast. Right. Don't, yeah, don't make her an outcast to start with. But you look well, at two, she destroyed the moon. And the whole thing about sending Luther to the moon may have been not necessarily, it may have been part of what Luther was figuring out, but also he knew the moon was involved and he needed someone to watch. Right. I think he was sent there mainly just because. He nearly died. So we all felt guilty. Well, yeah, yeah. but I'm wondering if this also has to do with yeah, Yeah, Reginald. It's kind of like Marvel. It's all connected. Yeah. So, like, I think Reginald, being who he was, had planned. If you if you go to the the one episode where Five is trying to figure out who is responsible for the apocalypse, Mm -hmm. I think Reginald's brain was like that, and so that's the reason why, like, he had the moon. That's the reason why he told... um, He knew the bits, but not how they fit together. Right, he told Vanya that she's not special. Right. And he told Five not to travel. So is there a chance... So those are three things that he's trying to... Is there a chance that he had abilities of his own? Reginald? Being an alien, you never know. I, yeah, it's possible. Because I mean, didn't they always say that he like never slept? It seemed like he was always in his room. But that could Maybe just be an alien he, thing. But yeah, yeah, but he also he could have what is it, prolific dreams, or they come true. Like, dreams, get, yeah. Get, right. yeah, get. Uh, I mean, that sort of thing isn't in the books at all. So yeah. it's a. I mean, that I would mean, make sense. If it, he, it would. I mean, I, they don't. They don't make Sir Reginald that important a character no. in the books. It's more just because well, of how he treated yeah. them and raised them. Well, this since there's only two volumes of this so far. A third one just came out. Yeah. And it, being Netflix and how awesome this was so far, I'm sure it's getting good ratings right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to have more than two seasons. Yeah. So you're going to they're going to if they're quickly get past where we're at the comic books. But if they're working with uh, the original writers and artists, then these people are going to be able to help them. Okay, this is what we see happening right. for the future of this, and keep it the same, even though we've gone way past the books. Right. Right. 
And, and that's the question, whether the second season will address the third volume at all, because essentially the third volume is it's called Hotel Oblivion, and it looks into Sir Reginald creating a prison. But is, I th- it was a prison on the moon at one point, I think. Um, or just off-world somewhere, uh, so which could be on his alien world, I don't know. Uh, off-world, a prison off-world for the, the worst of the villains of Earth. Okay. But, well, how many but, them? but security kind of isn't great, well, and uh, people get out, and the academy has to go right. I want to know how many of those are the other 43 babies that were exactly. born randomly out of nowhere. Exactly. Because that, we got to that... That's a um, storyline that was put in there, addressed once, and then move on. And, and so it's still it's sitting there, hanging there. That's the beginning vague, of it all. A vague mention or two in the books of others. I don't, I don't remember. Was that it's the first or second one where suddenly there's a someone's communicating with Ben on the moon, the robot, and they say it's time, it's time to come back home? I think that's the second one. So I'm wondering if that <laughs> has to. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a lot of questions that are left unanswered, mm-hmm. which is which makes it a good show. Yeah, really, you don't want everything. It's definitely answer. one, especially with that um, the ending of that. There's a great ending, knowing that, and I think Netflix already, without even without announcing it, obviously, right. knows they're coming back with another season. Right. Yeah. It has it has not been officially announced, but it, when you, when you leave your first season with a massive cliffhanger, that <laughs> everyone's just like. What? What? It's a good it's like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good sign that they're coming back. And the question is, uh, who's going to be playing the team in the second season? Are they going to stay with the kids, or is there going to be some kind of age progression where they can come back with the adults in the second season? Because everyone really liked the adults. Like, everyone yeah. liked the actors in the season. And, like, the kids were great. Like, but you saw snippets of them. They were great. But... Do you want to watch an entire season of all these kids running around? Yeah, like that? that's the question. So I do think it will be important to have at least one or two episodes with just the yes. Kids. Oh, absolutely, because that you can't just suddenly start with the adults when they've gone back in time and they're they're kids right before they blip. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, they, they'd absolutely have to have at least one or two episodes, but they have to somehow become adults again. <laughs> Yeah, and I do, um, this was only 10 episodes, which is actually shorter for a Netflix series, because usually they go close to 13. Um, yeah, it's a little closer to your average British episode. I mean, if you look at other recent ones, like Russian Doll, their recent one there that is a Groundhog Day slash time travel thing, that's only 8 episodes. Yeah. So, they've been following the British model more than anything, of keeping it tight and short. That, yeah, I think working short helped this. Yes. They didn't have, there was, nothing really felt like filler. The only one, like I said, that, that maybe could have been would have been that episode seven that they retconned all the way out anyway. Right. Which, like you said, it gives you background on the characters making you feel for the characters, but it wasn't something that was absolutely 100% necessary for the story. You know what right. I mean? I, I mean, it could have gone either way. I mean, I enjoyed the episode anyway, uh, but it wasn't like the first couple of or seasons we saw of Daredevil and some of the other ones where there was two or three episodes in there that really didn't yeah, work. I mean, I mean, really, they could have they could have learned from that, learning that yeah. you know, thirteen episodes was maybe a bit much. Or if you're going to have thirteen episodes, actually have something going the entire time. Then um, the Marvel ones have fi- had fixed that towards the latter later couple seasons, and, and with to where it actually goes the whole time with Umbrella Academy having your main plot plus a lot of flashbacks and technically flash forwards. Um, and a couple of subplots was what helped mm-hmm. fit everything and keep everything going. And the one thing I did notice this this is um, this is what I think Netflix is doing stuff like the Umbrella Academy to combat Marvel leaving. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. They need something in there because they know people want to watch superheroes. Well, I but what do we have out there? Um, I mean, their their next step is all the Mark Millar stuff. Yeah, I said I thought didn't they buy that Millar? They're working on. They, okay. they bought Millar um, last summer, and uh, I didn't remember if that was Netflix or on the on the last show. I mentioned the Jupiter's Legacy casting because they're yeah. filming that soon, and we might actually see it by end of year. I don't know. Yeah, that's what the, they're hoping to keep the people that are watching the Marvel stuff. On that, because yeah. it is superhero stuff. I mean, that's, I mean, come on, we really just want superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, if you give us less familiar superheroes, like Umbrella Academy or the Mark Millar stuff, you're likely to get a broader audience because they don't know what to expect and they don't have the preconceived notions going yeah. in. And, and a lot of people are going to look at it and say, oh, this is superheroes. Like a, like a lot of you guys, you didn't you didn't read the comics for Umbrella Academy, so yeah. it was just kind of like, let's I, see what It's on my list now because Hoopla actually has them. Right. But I mean, like you didn't go in preconceived, like oh, Luther has to look like this, and Diego has to, yeah. Diego has to wear the damn striped shirt. No, thank God he didn't wear the damn striped shirt. <laughs> but, but you know, you didn't have these preconceived notions of of what people look like or what scenes should look like or how they present certain story elements. So I think that helps a lot to have less familiar properties yeah. that they're creating stories with. Which is perfect because Malarverse, yeah, it has a lot of fans, but. There were much lesser um, released comics and yeah. um, Umbrella Academy. I had heard of it, but it wasn't so Dark Horse did not have the same following. Right. So it was cool to see at the very end though that Dark Horse Productions was actually mm-hmm. part of this. Absolutely. So um, is it? It is pretty much running the real close to the end of time here. <laughs> so is there anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this up today? Just watch it. If you haven't, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, come on. <laughs> So, did, did you have anything else do you think? Or? Um, I don't want to have to wait over a year, but I'm sure we're going to have to yeah. wait. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be bad in February again next year. As long something. as we're not waiting so well, long like we did like we did with the books from from Volume 2 to Volume 3. That's true. We're, we don't want to wait a decade. Okay, well, this is what it comes down to. This one, they said it took them 18 months to film. Yeah. So, don't expect... I mean, they've been working on it for <clears throat> six or seven years in yeah. terms of development, so... But, it, but then again, it, it took the popularity of superheroes to get Netflix yes. to want to do yeah, that. Right. So they may have been developing this for a while, and then Netflix eventually actually, said, here's yeah, your money. It didn't actually go anywhere for five years, and then finally went yeah. somewhere. So. Well, then, uh, you said this break between volume two and three. Gerard Way's been busy in between there. Yeah. He's been writing a lot of other things. A little bit. <laughs> He's been a little bit busy. So, well, uh, my chemical romance hasn't really put out anything for a while. <laughs> Of, of DC. Yeah, he, they did that whole imprint of Young Animal, which was very much fits in with this type of stuff that with Shade the Changing Girl and all these mm-hmm. other ones. There's characters and stuff that had been around for a while, but never in this direction. Right. This was strange and crazy and weird. Read Milk Wars. <laughs> that is weird. It was a crossover between Young Animal and Justice League. Mm-hmm. It is weird. <laughs> but, um, well, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Um, Geeksters, Check out Umbrella Academy. It was awesome. It was weird, but in all the right ways. Right. So, um, what did you think about Umbrella Academy? Did you guys enjoy it, or was it totally lose you after one episode? <laughs> Let us know. That's one thing I didn't. I never got that fatigue after the first couple episodes. Of, it's like I didn't know. I, I, I saw like I saw friends actually posting about oh I gave up after two or three episodes. This is wrong with you. Then <laughs> you don't get the payoff, and you don't deserve it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you think about it? Let us know. You can find us at www.geekwatch1.com, anywhere, everywhere, all social media, we're Geekwatch1. If you put Geekwatch1 into a search bar and don't find us, let us know. Miss Dalton will take care of the problem. I have my own account. That's right. 
You can also email us, geekwatch1 at gmail.com. We're on the Tangemount and Weeby Geeks Networks at tangemountnetwork.com uh, and weebygeekspc.com. And then for Dawn, Kylan, Vicky, myself, and everyone here at the Meeple, just remember... No matter where you go, there you are.